Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 27th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline. Hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. Made. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh Anthony back with you. And today we're going to break down Carolina's ACC schedule, which was released last night on ACC Network as a part of a program where the ACC announced and revealed all conference schedules for all 15 teams. Um, so, of course, we've got Carolina's slate. Um, we got some thoughts on the schedule, just some general questions that I have that we'll discuss. But we start first with the pod thought of the day. We go back to old Roy Williams for today's pod thought. And it's really more of a statement more than really a thought but i thought it applied with the schedule release is, coming is out a statement a thought don't you have to think of the statement before you make it a statement i don't think it's really a like a statement statement though or a thought like he was just so so it's neither so then what is it? i it was just roy being <laughs> you, roy you, you just tied yourself up here. it's a royism beautiful um and it actually comes from his book hard work he wrote about 10 12 years ago what a book says, I love playing road games. I encourage my players to treat games away from home as a wonderful challenge. I like to tell my team, let's go into their living room and steal their brownies. It's all about having the confidence and the attitude that I can beat your butt anytime, anywhere, any place, anyhow. Now that's a royalism. Right? Yeah. Steal, we we got to steal your brownies and beat your butt in the same quote. This is uh It was only missing a daggum frickin' or darn. This is a this is this is a good work. This is a work of art here. I, I'm gonna tell you, this is uh this took you a minute to track this one down. This is fine work. I'm impressed. Yeah. There I was looking for the quote he had after it was he said either before a game at NC State or a game after NC State where he got remember he only lost at PNC Arena. <laughs> I believe twice as the head coach of Carolina, and he pretty much said, I've never lost a, to a building, and a building's never beaten me, <laughs> but I could not track what that a, down. What a classic. So I went with that one um, because one, Carolina does have their fair share of road games in the non-conference part of the schedule, a lot of neutral site games, um, but their ACC slate, you know, you got 10 at home, you got 10 on the road. It's a lot more manageable than it has been in years past, but it's still 
very difficult. So just a quick little little breakdown of the schedule. Carolina's first ACC game will become will be December fifth at Georgia Tech. So no November ACC games this year, but Carolina's yeah. game December 5th is, I believe, the earliest conference game of any team within the ACC. And this comes after Carolina will place uh, Michigan December 1st in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. But that, of course, follows after Carolina will take on um, Purdue and then either Villanova or Tennessee in the Hall of Fame tip-off classic up in Connecticut. Um, the first ACC home game is against Virginia Tech. That is December 29th. Carolina will have eight game or eight days in between games. They wrap up the non-conference slate December 21st. So they got an eight-day break over the Christmas holiday before they come back to Chapel Hill and open up conference play. Look at the month of January just alone. There's nine games in 31 days for Carolina in the month of January. With the with there being no games in November, and even with two in December, they gotta they gotta pack 20 conference games into roughly three months. January gets the brunt of that with a nine-game uh, slate in in that month. Um, the first matchup with Duke that'll be February 5th in Chapel Hill. That'll be Coach Davis's first installment in the rivalry, and the last time Coach K visits Chapel Hill, UNC will then visit Duke on March 5th. Um, both games are on Saturdays for the third consecutive season. That scene in Durham will be as emotional and uh, as emotional a setting this rivalry has had since Duke honored Dean Smith in Cameron after Dean Smith died in 2015. Um, I saw a tweet where Brendan Marks tweeted out last night where Dick Vitale auctioned off tickets to that game. Um, through a charity event, uh, single game tickets, or the, he said for all four of them, they sold for a million dollars. What? So it's going to be a who's who's in Durham that day, and you'll you'll know who has the money, who doesn't have the money when they show up in Durham. Roy's going to be there, right? You I'm would be shocked. You would imagine yes. that Roy Williams would be there. Maybe Barack shows back up. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Look, there will be a. The celebrity list for that game. Oh my gosh! What will, will be an It'll be better than the Oscars? Will be an all timer. Um, Carolina's games against ACC opponents they only go on the road. They don't play them back in Chapel Hill, Notre Dame, Miami, Clemson, and Syracuse. Teams that Carolina only faces once, but that's in Chapel Hill. They get a big break this year with Virginia and Florida State having to come to Carolina. They get Pitt at home. Well, I put Syracuse on there. That, what are you doing? That is incorrect. Uh, Teams that UNC will play twice, Duke, NC State, Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Louisville. And then Carolina has three Saturday-Monday turnarounds. I have to explain the background to this mistake in the rundown. It ultimately was not my fault. And I will say that. I think you're wrong, but okay. I will say that because the graphic that is on Carolina basketball's official page about the schedule has Carolina facing, having Carolina with 13 home games in ACC play and only seven games on the road. When I was writing the article that is on Heel Tough blog about the schedule, I had to do some reworking of that article from Miss. 
from misinformation. That's tragic stuff. That has later been corrected. So UNC gets Syracuse at home. Yeah, I but they I do think, not have to go to Syracuse. Yeah, I think that it's only, I, yeah, I think it's only Notre Dame, Miami, and Clemson as the road only game. They have so since I could be wrong. Oh no, they have since fixed this issue. Wake Forest, right? No, so they go. They get. They go to Wake Forest. Right. So Wake Forest. So Wake's Wake's the one. The other one. Yeah. Where they all they go they go there but do not receive a game coming back home. Okay. They have now fixed the I'm issue going. on GoHeels.com. Go figure. After I had already getting got the rundown. Oh, dang, you thought, man, you thought people were gonna be able to go catch them in the act. Ah, too quick for me. Um, Part of me doesn't believe you. Part of well, me believes no. you're messed up and you're trying to blame somebody else. No, because when I was going through the schedule earlier. I was like, there's no way that Carolina has more home games and road games. That's never happened in the history of league play. Well, first of all, they uh, play 20, 20 games. Yeah. and I, So that's impossible. What I had when I was initially going through, the schedule read 13 home games and seven road games what? in ACC play. Holy. They have now since can fixed we, can the – Can we actually do that? Can They have now since fixed the graphic. Oh, okay. Your initial thoughts to Carolina's ACC schedule. Uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta like it uh, for sure. I mean, the start is is definitely manageable. I mean, outside of the game against Virginia at home, I mean, what's the toughest game in that first half of that conference schedule? Uh, outside of that, what NC State? I mean, I don't really because I mean, maybe Virginia. Nah, no, actually, I take that back. Virginia Tech's probably the toughest because they they do have a good amount of guys coming back from last year. Mike Young's a, a really solid head coach. So yeah, I mean, those are the games that you probably look at and say are the toughest part of that slate to begin with. I like the game in early December as opposed to the game that we played in early December the first time that we did this. I just want to get more manageable. I just want to get the reasoning behind why it's still so early in December and most ACC teams aren't starting their schedule till after Christmas. Is is that I, I, See, that doesn't make any sense to me why they are I think look, if you're going to do it, then fine. But every team should have to do every it. Conf- well, every team but one, clearly, because there's 15 teams in the conference. Every team but one should have to do it. Like, Because what were we told about why they were wanting to play games in November and December with, with this 20-game conference schedule? They wanted people to be interested in college basketball earlier than normal. They wanted games that mattered that they knew people would have to tune in and watch. But that's never that been a problem really in the ACC. People that love the ACC, that love ACC basketball, they don't care that it's the heart of the college football and the NFL season. They're going to tune in to watch ACC basketball oh, I agree with in you. November and December. I agree with you, but was that not the explanation that we were it, basically given? It was, but I— It's a terrible explanation. I agree. What I was hoping— What would happen is if you put Duke and Carolina in that slot, which you're not going to do that. I would be— What I was hoping came out of that— and look, Carolina, when they did this two years ago, they went one and one They won the home opener against Notre Dame. They lost at Virginia later in December. But if you watched all the games that happened in November, and even when they played those games in December, most of the teams were still finding out who they were, and the quality of the product isn't what you expect 
out of the ACC, and you're looking at a game with Carolina December 5th at Georgia Tech. And look, Georgia Tech, they lost some players from last year, but Josh Pastner is building that thing. They want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke when they won the ACC tournament. Carolina doesn't play well in Atlanta uh, historically anyway. That could be a game that could ultimately determine determine legitimate seeding in the ACC tournament. If Carolina drops that game, that happens three before every other team in the conference begins ACC play. I mean, but that's not the worst that you could draw out of that out of that grouping. I mean, if you're just like, let's say you're only looking at the first half of the schedule and you got to pick from that first half. I mean, that's probably one of the top teams you pick. I mean, maybe maybe Miami, but that's another place that you don't really play all that well. Um, I just don't get with all the other teams starting either the week of Christmas oh, or you. after Christmas. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, why I'm, Why is Carolina put in that position? Uh, it's because it's Carolina. That's probably the only reason why. I mean, well, I shouldn't we get a pass? We got a first there, time head coach. That, of course not. Are there any? Other are there any other teams that are playing before then? Or we or not that I saw. I I watched the schedule release for about ten to fifteen minutes, and then I turned it. I know Duke isn't. I know Virginia isn't. They weren't going to be. I mean, of course Georgia Tech is because they got to play Carolina. But you you look at the way. Look, the ACC is playing twenty conference games. The Big Ten plays twenty conference games. Now the Big Ten does sprinkle their games in in December. But they're even not this early historically. And I think those are the only two conferences that are playing 20 games. I don't think the Pac-12 is right. up to 20 games yet either. The Big 12 maybe wants expansion. When they add the four teams they're bringing in, maybe they'll expand to playing 20 conference games. You probably imagine so from a financial standpoint and to get the, a better TV deal. Um, I thought that was my only – had I seen other schools playing the first week of December – not going to sit here and complain about it. I'm with you. But when it's no, I'm with you and it's that. following a gauntlet of Purdue, either Villanova or Tennessee, look, they're going to face two top fifteen teams in the same weekend. Yep. They're going to host for Michigan. That's a top ten team in the country. You are going into the season. Then you got to go on the road and start ACC play. And that one game, if Carolina's beat up or whatever, you lose that game, and Carolina goes 13-7, and 14-6 and six in conference, but they're a sixth seed in the ACC tournament as opposed to a top four seed, which, of course, gets the double bye. You can point back to that game as a big reason why. That's why I want to get away from playing early season conference games. I mean, yeah, no, I think you've got a legitimate case there, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Uh, I think that, you know, another one of the big takeaways that I had um, was, you know, the, the back end of the schedule actually looks more manageable than it has in the past. Um, mainly because you're not playing Virginia twice. Well, that's always a game that usually gets sprinkled in there. Um, I don't, I don't, I want to figure out the reasoning behind the finishing run of NC State, Syracuse, and Duke. That's felt like the last like four to five years. Carolina faces those well, not, three not teams. Last year. Yeah, they played Duke. But they played Syracuse the week of the Duke game. Right, but it wasn't state. But they they play in all. Historically, they've since they've expanded. We see NC State near the back end of the schedule. Of course, you always finish up with Duke, but it feels like Syracuse is like the team that Carolina faces before Duke, yes, which is yes, that's been a tip, which is thing. awful. 
because you got to change the whole entire way you play Syracuse for the way you play Duke. I, I don't really – I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, you look at the back end, I mean – Give me Syracuse December 5th. I won't complain. Get it one time out of the way, then we don't got to worry about preparing for a zone defense the rest of the year. No, nah, I would not want to – well, actually, no, that's, a, that, that's actually a solid case, too, because the other thing about Syracuse is we always know – that they wait until March to actually start playing basketball. The first few months of the season, they sleepwalk through. Because, I mean, it seems like every year, or, well, that's late February. So usually it's about middle middle of February they start getting their, their everything together. Just in time to where they can, you know, maybe pick up a late season win. And then they go into the ACC tournament and get on a run. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I wouldn't mind playing them there. Um, but I mean, you look at the road games, I mean, Louisville on the road, tough, but I don't know. How good is that team going to be this year? I felt like we had, there were a lot of expectations for them last year and they weren't all that good. I think, I think you're going to see a lot of bounce back from teams that had down years because the COVID thing just really, it, it affected, and we've learned that with every sport, whether it's college or professional, what it did to your offseason hindered so many teams. And I think Louisville was a team that, I mean, it clearly affected Carolina last year. I think it affected the way Louisville played last year because all that stuff that we don't deem as important, the the training sessions, the the road trips, whatever, they matter when you get into the season um, and, and you're trying to build chemistry and build camaraderie within that locker room. I wouldn't be surprised if Louisville bounces back because they've got a really good head coach in Chris Mack, and there hasn't been a shortage of talent in Louisville since Denny Crum arrived in the mid-'70s, late-1980s. Yeah, so, I mean, so, they got them twice on the back end of the schedule. The one at home is, of course, later, so I guess that works in Carolina's favor a little bit. I like at Clemson being there as one of the other road games. That's probably one of the easier games you got on your schedule. You feel like they're destined to take a step back. Don't tell last year's team that. The success that they've had. Uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, that's a team I, I don't – I don't see anything like this. This is probably Jeff Cable's last year, right? Like it feels like they've been waiting for how long for that team to finally take a step forward and it hasn't happened. So I like them getting them on the back end. And then of course the team that Carolina has kind of owned and hopefully that carries over in NC state. It just feels like for some reason, it's a little bit more manageable, but I think that part of that is because there are still some, some unknowns with some of these teams in the ACC. I mean, I think what, Right now, we know the teams that are going to be the top competitors in the ACC are Florida State, Duke, Carolina, and Virginia. And Virginia. And I mean, outside of that, we really don't know a whole lot about the rest of these teams. Like, we feel like, okay, maybe we should be confident in a team like Virginia Tech. Maybe we should, you know, finally expect a team like Miami to bounce back, which we've been waiting for them to do for a few years now under Jim Laranega. Maybe Syracuse is finally going to be that team that's going to start a season well and be, you know, get back to the point where they are one of the better teams in the ACC. But you just really don't know. So it looks some overall, the conference schedule to me looks relatively manageable. And I mean, even the thing is, is you look at the back-to-back games on the road, Carolina's had some brutal back-to-backs in the past few seasons in terms of the games that they play on the road. This year, 
mean, what's the most brutal back-to-back? Probably Virginia and Georgia Tech in the early part of the schedule because I don't think that Boston College and NC State is that daring. I think you should win both of those It shouldn't be. And then Florida State and Pittsburgh. I mean, Florida State's a really tough game, but then you turn around and go to Pittsburgh and see – or no, that's a home game. Why am I reading these wrong? My bad. I read these wrong. Well, the road's even weaker. You're talking about Boston College and Notre Dame. So Boston College, I mean, you would have those two games you should win, no problem. Uh, and then Miami and Wake Forest. I mean, that's that's pretty easy right there. And then the rest of the time, you don't have back to backs. Those ones that I read off to you, those are home games that are all back to back for you. So you're talking about getting Virginia, Georgia Tech, Florida State, and NC State at home. Those are teams that what? I mean, can we say? maybe safely top eight teams in the ACC if we're projecting right now. So I, I, I like I like everything about this conference schedule for Carolina. I was reading – if people are wondering, I was reading the color-coded schedule graphic that is up on, on there. That's why I wasn't reading the ad or versus. Yeah. Schedule. So that's why I got it mixed up. All right. We will come back in just a second with more thoughts and our final thoughts on the schedule. But first, here is a message from DraftKings Sportsbook. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, we're going to start shutting this thing down. Make sure, guys, you get over to DraftKings and take advantage of that great promo code. It's going to be a great week two slate of the NFL coming up this weekend. Off to a great start last night with the Washington football team beating the New York Giants on a last-second field goal, showing that they are actually the real football team and as opposed to the New York football Giants. You talked yeah, about I, mean, the, I think they're going to win the division over some crappy team from Dallas. You talked about the schedule. <clears throat> And I'm kind of with you. When I saw the schedule, and I'm thinking about the potential that Carol, the the, the, the potential this team can be. Mm-hmm. And remember, last time I was with, we were on here. I said that if this team made a deep run in the NCAA tournament, and won the ACC, Josh is going to be sitting here all surprised. Um, maybe I'm just overexcited. Please never talk about yourself. I did. I might. Yeah, that was now. Nah. That was painful. So, look, Carolina hasn't won an ACC regular season title since 2018-19. I know that was just three years ago entering this season. but And the fan base makes it seem like that was 20 years for, ago. For Carolina basketball, anything longer than a year is a drought. Does this schedule allow Carolina to compete to win an ACC championship despite replacing Hall of Fame head coach Roy Williams with first-time head coach Hubert Davis? Well, I just told you how easy the schedule is. So, yeah. I feel like... 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it really does. Uh, like I said, I mean, there's not a lot of a, a, a lot of daunting tasks from what I see on this schedule. I, I, I'm not looking at this schedule like in years past, where I'm looking at a stretch on the schedule and saying rank team, rank team, rank team, rank team, all consecutively. Like the at a conference is brutal. This is still going to be a tough conference. I know last year the ACC wasn't really what we thought it was. I mean, last year. I mean, Florida State was so far ahead of everybody else. That was the uh, worst. Was them and Virginia. I, I, I mean, and even Virginia, I really felt like Florida State was a better team than them. And then after that, holy, it was a trouble. That was the worst ACC I've seen. Right. And I've been watching this conference going on 15 years. So that's the thing. I mean, again, I think that you're going to see teams that are going to bounce back. I, I, I we're a Toriel podcast. But again, we are we're fans of the team, but we're not always going to let that cloud our judgment. Duke is going to be a good basketball team. Yes, I don't think there's any denying that. So they're going to bounce back. Yeah, you seem to think that Louisville's going to bounce back, and I mean that seems like it's a possibility to happen. I mean, Chris Mack was. Heading into last year, widely regarded as one of the best coaches in the ACC. It's amazing how one year can sort of affect everything, even with uh, it being a COVID year. People are wondering if he really is that great of a coach after one year. Um, And then, I mean, yeah, you're you're still going to have Florida State and Virginia that are going to be up there. But I think you're going to have some other ones that are going to come back to the pack. I don't know about you. I don't think that Georgia Tech's going to be as good as they were a year ago. I think they'll probably take a step back. Now, to me, in in years past, a step back for, for Georgia Tech was out of the tournament, not a good basketball team. I don't know if they're going that far because I think Josh Pastner, as you said, he's a heck of a coach. He's built up a program there. And I think Virginia Tech has a little bit of that potential too. I, Virginia Tech's confusing because I think there's a chance that they could be really good, take another step forward. Or they could struggle after having a, a really solid year last year and just not being able to capitalize in the ACC and NCAA tournament, and they end up taking a step back. So I feel pretty confident with the schedule that Carolina has. I, I think, you know, you look at those two teams at the top of the conference as well, besides Duke, Carolina gets both Virginia and Florida State at home. I, I like this schedule a lot, Carolina, and I think it gives them a great opportunity. What would the expectation be for the win total in conference games to win an ACC regular season title? Ooh. I think the days of going 16 and two in an 18 game play without was translate to 18 and two. I don't even think that's going to happen with like Florida State. Even 17 and three. That's like like for me. I think I, I think 15 and five is probably the mark. You you get to 15 and five. 16 and 4. Six. You're going to be really hard to find a team go a lot uh, with a much better record than that. So 16 and 4, I think, gets you. Gets you the ACC. I think 16 is the magic number. I think that gets you it outright. I think 15 and 5, you would win it based on tiebreakers. And I think that's probably where you're aiming to get to. Where would my expectation be on this schedule right now? Because Hubert Davis is first time head coach. I would probably go 13-14 is probably where I'm at right now. But I, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they get to 15. 16, I find it hard. I, I really think if they're going to win the ACC regular season, it's going to have to be 15 wins in conference with a tiebreaker. 
do you worry? Because I, I, I worry about this. With the way the schedule lines up, and it this is as manageable a schedule Carolina has had probably since 2015, 16, 2016, 17, when Carolina won back-to-back ACC titles and played for the national championship. If Carolina goes 12-8 and eight in conference, even 13-7 and seven in conference, would that be looked upon as a disappointment within the fan base? Ah, well, that's that's a that's a that's a a pretty easy question to answer. Yes. Yes. Okay. With 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 what, the should it be a disappointment with the with the no. with the realistic fans with thirteen and seven, twelve and eight. Even with the win over Duke in there, let's say you get Duke at home, because I think winning that game at Cameron well, will be that one, I think will be as a tough a game as Carolina's ever played in ever. Yeah, I mean, if you win, if you win the game in Chapel Hill against Duke, I think the expectation then is to probably get to 14 or higher. Um, yeah, I mean, 12 and 8, I think would probably you would probably be a little disappointed for sure. Uh, and rightfully so. Now there would be people that would overreact and say, "We, you know, we had Wes Miller. We, the boy was still here, whatever." There'll be people that will do that. But, um, I, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be heartbroken if this team lost seven games, though, because again, it's it's a it's a first time head coach. So some of these games that we're looking at and saying, man, these are probably, you know, these are easy games. A lot of that's based on the fact that we've, we're thinking about this from a Roy Williams type perspective. That's not just a new been coach. built to do that for a while. You've got a new system, a new philosophy right. that you imagine it's going to take into January to work out all the kinks. I don't think we're escaping. Carolina having bad moments in November and December, like we've had under Roy Williams. Roy Williams is still trying to was still trying to figure out the rotation, and they were trying to figure out who they were. I don't think that's just going to leave because you've got a new head coach. Maybe it does. And for me, I'm not going to complain because I didn't like being frustrated in November and December, but I knew the long-term games that that brought upon. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think if Carolina goes 12-8 and – and to me, that's to me that's disappointing. Thirteen and seven, but you you sprinkle in a game a win over Duke. I think you can live with it. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I, that's where I'm at. Growing up, I always thought you know you got to be in the top three in the ACC because that's what Dean Smith always did, and Roy Williams always did. My goal now is that I want that double buy in that ACC tournament. Make us. I don't want it to play four games in four days. Five games in five days. Yeah, I mean, thirteen wins will get you there. I think thirteen so, and seven with it because it'll probably take a tiebreaker over somebody to be in that top four. I think that could get you there, though. I mentioned earlier that both Duke games are on the weekend. That's now happened three straight years. You a fan of that? Uh so from a his- historical standpoint, no. From a guy that is going to be working his first uh, full-time gig during a college basketball season, like for the length of the entire season. Actually, last year I actually wasn't on morning shift during the February game. So even if it would have been on Thursday, I would have been fine. As somebody that would have to wake up the next morning at 4.30, I don't hate it as much. But my thing is, is like, 
it starts at nine, so the latest that you're going to bed is eleven. So it's not it's not too bad. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I I always I always kind of like the Thursday night thing. Well, remember, it used to be you, Wednesdays. It, you know, then you they moved it to Thursday. Right. Uh, you know, which which I to me, I like I like the Thursday nights because if it's a Wednesday. Then you gotta wake up on a Thursday morning and be tired, and then have to carry it over you, into a you know Friday. what? Complain ah. about having to wake up and ah. go to work—that's chatch. Well, can, coming from somebody that does not have to wake up—that's not my fault—at four thirty in the morning, mm. and judging somebody that does—that is doubly chatch. No. Uh, so the, yes, uh, I get I, I get why they do it. They get much more better TV, TV, ratings. TV ratings. That's all. That's what. It is. Um, we've been in Chapel Hill for games that were in the Smith Center that Saturday, or just at a bar when we were eight miles down the road in Durham, and it allows for both towns to have a much more better game day environment and stuff like that. I like the element of Thursdays being that around here because we live in this area. We see you go into work, you dress, you dress up. I sound like I'm talking about a Halloween party. But for me, like, I will literally wear my jersey to to work. Now, I wear an undershirt. I'm not an animal, although this year I may not. But I will I will dress up in, like, my game day attire and kind of go all tarheel out for the game. And you see your Duke co-workers there. And you guys can kind of talk trash back and forth. And then what ends up happening is you get to turn around the next day. And if you win... You come in happy, you trash talk, whatever. You lose. You don't show up for work. Yeah, you don't show up for work. Or, you know, you get trapped. But it's the rivalry part of it really you, – you see that with the midweek game because that's what – you have one like that, and then later in the year you have the Saturday one where you can sit at home, you can chill with your friends, you can build up to the game later on in the day, and you get kind of the experience of both. That's what I kind of like about it. But – I mean, yeah, they seem to opt for the two Saturdays, which I mean isn't the end of the world. Like we're literally, I mean, this is this is the definition of of uh, first class issues here, where we're well, complaining about about the time, the day of games. For me, Carolina, but for me, the one thing that I don't like about it, um, and it's going to sound weird, I think playing them both on Saturday has diminished the importance of the rivalry. Because I loved having that big, that Wednesday, and I, I hate it when they moved it to Thursday. I, I freaked out about that. The Wednesday night slot, yeah. 9 o'clock, they you would sit. Like, you didn't like when they moved it from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Thought, all, thought 8 o'clock was Yeah, better. play at 9. So you get, you get that big game feel, and it used to be after the Super Bowl. Now the Super Bowl has moved back to the second week of February. Um, so you've already lost that aspect uh, of moving, it. We're moving Tom Brady back a week. You know? um, they would send the game day crew there, so they would do all the stuff during the 7 o'clock games from either the Smith Center or if they were down the road at Cameron Indoor Stadium, they were doing their, their the halftime shows and all that from there. Usually the game would start later because they'd have a little mini pregame show. And so I just think – now, granted, you get – both game days are usually at both games, which yeah, they should I was be. Say, that's what it is too. You get the you get the game. But I don't know. As a kid that grew up, I, I lived for those Wednesday night games because you know when you were young and you 
Couldn't stay up late. That was usually the one night you got to stay up all night, stay up late to watch the entire game. School oh, didn't matter. Oh, all night, yeah. Uh, that is true. Ten o'clock when you were in uh, fifth grade was all night, man. So Ooh. you know, it, so for me, I, I, I miss that. The like the kid in me misses that. Ultimately, yeah. I do. Un, I do understand yeah, it, and it makes it more attainable for people that work or whatever. If they want to go up for the day and just spend the day in town. It's easier to do it on a Saturday than a Wednesday, um, and it makes for a much better just in-day atmosphere, especially if Carolina does go on to win. Uh, lastly, and I'm not even really being funny about this. Like This is a legitimate question I have. Do you think if Roy Williams was still the head coach, we would have had to visited Virginia and Florida State? Or like, is that the one break they cut Carolina was? First time head coach, you don't got to go to Charlottesville. You don't got to go to Tallahassee. We'll bring him to Chapel I Hill. I like to think that that's not a thing, but it's probably a thing. Here's the, I, I, you put on here, or I would say yes. I, if it was both, I don't know. I don't know if they'd make them go to both. Uh, but yes, I would. I, I'm going to tell you this. If Roy Williams was still the head coach, Carolina would be playing Virginia twice this year. No doubt in my I mind. I think Carolina's entire tried, schedule would be different. They have tried to make that its own thing. And I'm going to be honest with you. Seeing them once on there, well, look, I want to beat them, and I feel confident that Carolina can beat them. I'm not going to go into any of those games telling myself I'm not going to have any confidence in Carolina to beat them. Am I heartbroken that we don't have to play Virginia twice this year? No. Here's the thing no. when it comes to Virginia. And you're talking – this is coming from a guy that I, – I loathe Virginia. Boy, dude, this has been a hateful podcast. Um, dude, people are finding out that you are just a miserable person. I, I can't stand them. <laughs> but once Virginia got revived under Tony Bennett – It is also Virginia week for football, too. So um, that, the, the, hatred is, the hatred isn't even comparable. <laughs> once Virginia revived its basketball program, the first thing that should have happened was – not saying we're like it was it was it was known Carolina was gonna face Duke and NC State twice every year. But Virginia should have just fit the mold. Because the historicness of them two teams playing each other, you go back to the eighties, that was a great rivalry. Um, and it's been a great rivalry for a very long time. It just added to the what makes ACC basketball different from every other con- every other conference. The thing I fear moving forward is now we got a commissioner who doesn't understand the importance of all that. He can go to all these schools, you are not, Jim and they can tell him how important it is and all that. Jim Phillips got the job because he was the best chance of getting Notre Dame to commit as a football member school to the ACC. Yeah. That's the only reason. That hasn't really worked out. And his whole stance of at ACC media days during football season, making football the top priority in this conference, which features two of the five best basketball programs of all time. You add in Louisville and Syracuse, you've got four of the top 10 to 15 programs of all time. Was idiotic? And honestly, didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I think that's where the ACC has it's, it missed its opportunity six, seven years ago when Virginia arrived back on the scene to bring back that rivalry both with two games a year. Not saying that I like the idea of seeing them twice every year because I don't because the way that we play basketball doesn't match up with their brand of basketball. But it was a missed opportunity for a conference that 
prides itself on the tradition of, of the basketball played in the ACC. Yeah, I mean – that's my soapbox for the day. Yeah, you are not a Jim Phillips I am not. at all. Like, look, man, I, I think, you know, there was – He was he was the know, wrong hire. Look at a guy like like Bubba Cunningham as the athletic director of Carolina, a guy that understood where he was coming to. They couldn't hire place. Bubba because we're going to have back-to-back AC or no, Carolina no, 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 commissioners. No, 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 I'm not saying to have him as your, as your commissioner. I was saying that – they needed someone of that mold, of a guy that sort of understands, look, basketball is the, the thing the ACC does best. It's the thing that you need to push the most on your campus. But it's okay to have somebody that wants to make football a bigger priority. Not if you're not winning the on the football field outside of one school. Uh, I mean, that's, I, that's the thing that I, I don't really know what to do at that point. Understand that what you are is a basketball conference. Not play football. Football. Football is what drives money. Football is the only reason the conference exists. That's the problem. You lose football, KCC's gone. It's that's that's it. No one in this conference outside of Clemson, Florida State, or Miami will ever care more about ACC football than ACC basketball. Uh, I don't even think Florida State's at that point anymore. I so think most Florida State fans care more about the basketball program. Right that's now than the that that's been the whole problem with him. You're not going to get boosters to generate more money when you've got four of the top 15 basketball programs in your conference. But they're they're not worried about that because the TV contracts and the overall football revenue is so much bigger than basketball that that's where that's why football always takes precedent for any of these conferences. I mean, you've said it when it comes to conference realignment moves. It's all based on football. It doesn't really matter about any of the other sports. They don't. And the only conference sad. to benefit basketball-wise has been the ACC. Yeah. yeah. Which I just mean, proves that you shouldn't make every decision based off of that. The the ACC got stronger on the basketball on the basketball side of things and got weaker on the football side of things. Even though I believe that when they made the move, I believe in their mind they felt like they were getting stronger on the football side of things. Don't really know how, uh, but I believe that that was just uh, – the other thing is the mar- the markets were what put them there. Like you wanted to get the Pittsburgh market. You wanted to get the New York market and stuff like that. I did. Uh, well, that's what the conference wanted. I mean, you you, you wouldn't want anybody here. You'd want uh, you want everyone kicked out. Carolina, Duke, NC State, Wake Forest, like, and South Carolina in a conference. Just give me back Maryland, and I'll quit complaining about the moves we've made as a league. Well, here's the thing. until they move the that's, league office from Greensboro to Charlotte, then I'm gonna flip my lid. The Maryland's not the ACC's fault. <laughs> Maryland did that to themselves, and unfortunately, I don't think Maryland's coming back anytime soon. Unfortunately. Um, Any last thoughts on the schedule? No, Jim Phillips is uh, Jim Phillips won't be coming on this podcast. Yeah, we don't have bad guests. We are a oh, we are an A list ah. uh, guest pod. Yeah, I'm sure they're lining up at the doors. I've, I, I'm it's, it's about that time of the year where I start. Uh, bothering people to come on and talk to me about Carolina. I think that's the best way to describe. About Carolina, when you reach out to people. Yeah, 
Hey, can we bother you to come on our podcast? I'm pretty sure when the email gets sent to Jones Angel or Adam Lucas, they just... There's an audible sigh. <sighs> yeah, I guess. What was that? that that's what, what sigh was that? I, I, you ever heard... Like, Jones makes weird noises sometimes. I'm just sure Jones is, like, sitting there at Podworld headquarters... <sighs> And then why, add, I, why the high pitch though? I see. I think it's more just like. <sighs> well, high pitch sounds a little bit more positive as a as a as a. <sighs> I don't want them to think they groan about coming on to talk to me. Nah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I just have a more realistic aspect that they're looking and saying these guys again. Nah, I'm just kidding. Anyway, love you, Jones. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners podcast. Before we let you go, get you guys over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Y'all have done great, giving us great uh, interaction, great feedback, a, a lot of comments on the Tyler Nickel post that got up the other day. We have done some digging back into the web, the website archive. We do believe that is the most viewed uh, article in the history of the Heel Tough Blocks. We want to thank you for all of that. Um, this weekend, we will have you covered on the football side of things as Carolina hosts Virginia in a all-important game in Keenan Stadium if Carolina wants to make its way to Charlotte and take and play Clemson, we believe, in the ACC championship game. Oh, we believe. Yeah. Later, this, uh, uh, we're betting. later this year, we'll have a recap a trench report and a stock report following Saturday night's game against the Cavaliers. So get over to the Heel Tough blog for your latest football and basketball content on the podcast side of things. You know we're a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We've moved our hosting site over to Megaphone, but you can find us on every major podcasting uh, platform, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it, the Four Corners Podcast is there. Like us, give us a review about this episode or any other episode we've done in the past, but we want you guys to subscribe and we get every podcast right there in your podcast feed. Right now, just doing about one or two episodes a week, but once we get closer to the season, they will be more frequent, and then once we get in season mode, we will do our best with our work schedules to preview and recap every game individually to give you the best breakdowns and previews of Carolina's opponents. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.